November 29, 2023, 15 lines from the top of the Amud. This morning's class is dedicated in memory of Sal Betesh Alav HaShalom, Shaul Ben Sarat, Himishmatosir Rabitzror HaChaim, Amen, by the Betesh family. Uh, we uh, left off and uh, finished, but I want to just uh, briefly return to it with the words of Tosafot on Amud Aleph, the case of uh, where a tree or a fence, a person was issued a warning by the Beit Din, by the authorities, telling him he has 30 days to pull it down because it's posing a danger. And in turn, in that circumstance, the, uh, the tree or the fence falls down after the allotted time period. Oh, he hasn't pulled it down within those 30 days. And he's mafkir, he renders ownerless anything that falls, anything that was part of the potential danger and damaging uh, feature afterwards. In that circumstance, that's what those final words of the Mishnah were perhaps alluding to uh, when it says that the tzad hashabesh bahim, we can, as a common denominator, be able to combine these avot and derive that a case like that, you'd be liable. On the one hand, it's not strictly bor. On the other hand, it's not entirely shor. The two of them together uh, renders a situation where you'd be hayab. Tosafot, at the bottom of the vava mudalif, it's a little bit out of place. You'd imagine it's going to be on Amud Bet, about uh, six lines from the bottom, seven lines from the bottom of the Amud, uh, asks just a, a basic question. And the principle that they set forth is, is telling an importance. In the situation where you were mafkir, right, where the item fell, which ultimately speaking is our case, the initial knee-jerk response is that's for sure bor. That's a situation of bor. The Gemara deflected and said maybe it's not bor because bor, you don't have permission to do initially. This one you do. That's why we needed sure. Says Tosafot, v'im tomar lekaman behamaniach Tosafot questions, they query from the Gemara and Daf Kaftet, where the Gemara seems to accept, according to all opinions, the following situation being a petur, an exemption from liability. If a person was, for argument's sake, the Gemara is talking about something of this sort, walking with a kad, they're holding a new jar, of, uh, which is newly crafted, just came off the jar creation press. And as a result, they're walking with it through the street, and let's say it's a hot day, and as they're walking, it melts. It melts to the extent they can't carry it. They just allow for it to fall to the ground. And now something, someone walks by and is damaged on that. What would the halakha be in such a circumstance? The Gemara assumes the fact that it melted in your hand is an example of what's called ones. You couldn't and shouldn't have known that that was going to happen. It did happen. You left it there and rendered it and, and, and deemed it ownerless in such a circumstance. The Gemara's understanding is that's not bore. That began with what's called honest. It didn't begin with negligence. It began with honest, with uh, out of your hand uh, situation. And as a result, you're patur. That's the question of Tosafot. It says, it sounds like from the Gemara over there, delikule alma. What's that? No, Keren's not honest. Keren's pshi'ah. Again, over here, you had no way of realizing this. By Keren, uh, you should have guarded it more. You're right, you didn't know, but you should have and could have guarded it better. Even though it's honest, you don't have any responsibility to, to, to make it safe for people. Right, something along those lines. The fact that it's honest uh, exempts you. That's what they're quoting. It, it, it picks up on the conversation we have. 
Well, I mean, listen, it doesn't make it so much better than your situation yesterday, which, which, which kept me uh, awake. You should have an obligation within a specific period of time, let's say. Something along those lines. There is a conversation and debate about that. Um, and in turn, something similar over here. I'll remind you, though, that uh, these... Okay, yeah, I, I, I point. This is Tosafot's question. The question, because they quote a Gemara, which seems to render such a situation exemption from liability. The fact that it happened be honest makes you not liable. Uh, would we nonetless... The general understanding would be I didn't leave it. It got bumped out of my hand. It was it was out of my okay. Don't give me Tell me that I could have done better. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm not saying he shouldn't. I'm saying if he didn't, the person who slips on it can now penalize him. Can not penalize him. Can now demand money. It seems from the Gemara not so. So Tosafot in turn is questioning, how come an hour Gemara with regards to the tree and the, and the fence which fall, when you built them, when you planted them, there was no pishiah, there was no negligence, Tosafot does distinguish with regards to our case as opposed to there. Vieshlama answers Tosafot, Kevan shehiziru lakutz velistor shelo yaziku ve'avar zeman, since indeed the initial act was one, and it brings us back to the case of where the thing fell, and maybe even, not really, but the spill at a wedding or in my home if I'm having a party of some sort, the fact that it did now pose a danger. The Betin issued a warning to me. At this point, the fact that I didn't handle that transforms the situation from being one of honest to pishiah, it's negligence, I should have dealt with it. So too, potentially, again, you'd have to quantify, explain how and when, but so too, if the item falls on the street, be honest, maybe there's a period of time at which maybe uh, you're told you need to remove that. But again, what's that? There isn't. I'm saying maybe there could be. Maybe there would be. Correct. If there is no Azar. He's questioning our Gemara and saying, why is our case where we're we're assuming there is liability any different than that case? The answer is that the Azhara transforms, it's a Hidush, transforms, although the actual falling of the tree can be quantified as honest, it was out of my control. I just planted my tree. The fact that they issued a warning to me transforms the situation from being one of honest to pishiah because I should have handled it. Why question? No, no, no. In the situation, in the situation where it was issued a warning to me, 
and after the 30 days it falls, I'm hayav. So the Tosafot's questioning that. Why should I be hayav in such a circumstance? Why wasn't it orders? The warning, the warning establishes it as a, as, as a, uh, as a situation of pishia. The difference between the tree falling is something that you might not have known about. It might have happened unbeknown to you. Where the other example where the thing broke on you, you knew it happened. You knew they could cause that. Believe it or not, we're going in the opposite direction. We're saying when the thing fell, you're going to be patur. With the tree where you should have known beforehand, we told you to be careful earlier, that's where you're going to be liable. Tosafot flashes out the point, says, Kevan, Kevan, since he's hero, Lakut velistor, Sheloyaziku, since he was warned, Ve'avar hazeman, and those 30 days elapsed, Havekemafkir nechasav, Le'ahar nefilat peshi'ah. It emerges then that it's a case of mafkir nechasav le'ahar nefilat peshi'ah. It's not exactly, again, it, it, I, I will bring you back to our case at the wedding. I'll bring you back to our case in, in the street. In these circumstances, it does appear that there's no such thing. The fact that the initial action was one of honest means I am no longer liable for what happens afterwards. It, it, it's that a very telling you, though, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. That, that's that. I'm going to tell you why. Because in that situation, you were told, in the situation of Ajmarah, you were told before the bore was, use these words, before the bore was dug. You were told beforehand. It means that your digging of the bore was bipshi'ah. You should have known better. Over here, where the item came out of my hand, the digging of the bore, where it slipped out of my hand at the wedding, where it slips out of my hand in the street, the digging of the bore was beonis. There was no establishing that as Pishia in advance. Now that it's on the street, it's just not a bore. It's honest. It's not a bore. You can't now turn it into. That's what he's saying, and I don't want to say the difference between Tosafot and what Rabbi now is saying in the Mara, two lines later. They're both in the heat. Rabbi now is saying, okay, you have 30 days to clean it up. Now, and what's Tosafot? It's not Rabbi Hidush. That's the Beraita. Tosafot, once we have that being the case. Tosafot's question is, why does the 30 days make me more liable? Why isn't it an initial action of honest and in turn I should be patur? They're questioning the halakha of that beraita which Rabinah is quoted. The answer is that the warning transforms the action of the bore in its initial created state when it falls down to a situation of peshya as opposed to honest. That's the state. So when that falls down, is, is we're saying the warning came when it was attached to the house or the warning came when it was on the floor? No, no, of course. Of course, that's the point. So why can't they make it a hit? Why are they giving that option to make something that's dangerous like what, what do you mean? Of course, you could, you could do whatever you want. I, I deem this not all. Anyone could come and pick it up. Why can't I do it? Just like that. Just like that. It's hefkeh. It's not that you're not going to be liable. The Torah says, the Torah penalizes and says, even though it is hefkeh, but it is ownerless. If I come along and I grab it, even though you're going to, it's an amazing situation, right? If I trip on your suitcase, which you left. No, that's necessary, because that's the definition of bull. If, it's, if, it's, if it has ownership, it's going to be sure. That's uh, according to the What's that? So it sounds like I could leave a loaded gun in the street. And, you know, I'm being serious. Nobody knows it's mine. I said, that's a kid. I can't have that on my house. Now I'm 
She shoots them. Yeah. yeah. No. Okay. So that's Boramit Kalgil. That's our last sugya. That's Boramit Kalgil. That's when I left the glass at the top of the garbage garbage yeah, center. Oh, yeah, full culpability. That's Boramit Kalgil. Your Hayat. Not the garbage collector. Not the. Sheriff comes to me at the wedding. Jesse sees me with the drink, says, clean that up. I don't clean it. I, I don't think his, that's what I'm saying. I don't think, even though everybody wants it to be, I don't think his issuing of a warning or even the wedding hall owner does anything at this point because the initial act was an act of honest and you're in turn exact. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because in that situation we wouldn't consider it honest. We'd say you should have known better. It's a crowded room, same thing. Okay, says the Gemara onward. So the Gemara now, 15 lines from the top, picks up on those last words, Kishihizik, Hav Hamazik. The words of the Mishnah are when, when and if a person damaged in any of these four ways, Hav Hamazik is obligated the person who damages to compensate, to pay for the damage. Now the word Hav, if you're familiar with Hebrew, is not the word we're generally accustomed to. The word generally speaking would be hayav, hayuv. Hayav means to pay. Hav is a shorter abbreviated version of hayav. And the Gemara very simply for three lines will just question, so why does it say hav? Why doesn't it say hayav? Ask the Gemara, hav hamazik? Hayav hamazik mi ba'ele. Hav hamazik, quote unquote, question mark. What do those words mean? Hayav hamazik, the words that we're accustomed to, that are the general usage are, hayav is obligated, mi ba'ele, sarich liyot, it needs to be. Tosafot does point out that we do sometimes have the word hav, but in different contexts. The word hav would be that I make you obligated. Ani mehayev otcha, I put a, a debt on you, hav. But over here, it's not that. It's that I am obligated. You'll never find the word other than here as hav, but rather hayav. Why does it say hav? Is there something fundamental to learn from this? Says the Gemara, Amarav Yehuda. But that's a hov. That's right. So in a hov, that because a hov, it's hova in plural. Hova means there's an obligation upon you. Over here it means I have to do. That's hayav. Says the Gemara, Amarav Yehuda, Amarav. The Gemara says that the author of our Mishnah must be from Yerushalayim. And what we know apparently about those who lived in Jerusalem is that they taught in a short, brief, terse, and to the point fashion. It seems to me the Gemara is praising this. In other words, when we speak briefly to the point and with clarity, we show and we are able to teach in a way that it displays a certain understanding of it uh, on a level higher than when I need to use more words to explain something. I mean, each of us are familiar with that in our own situations and lives. When you need to explain to the buyer over the course of five, ten minutes the, the, the virtues of the product, as opposed to in a moment be able to give a sales pitch which gets to the core of the matter. And one is confusing, it's distracting, it shows that you don't have a full grasp of uh, the, the utility and the level and the uh, issue at 
hand as opposed to when you're to the point. So even the word have as opposed to hayav displays a certain proficiency, a certain clarity, a certain depth. It's, uh, for me, it's just a flashback. My first day, post high school yeshiva in Israel, so the rabbi was uh, starting the class and uh, he, uh, he was alluding to a question. He said, Does anyone have a question about this? I thankfully was prepared appropriately and had the question. I raised my hand and I began by introducing the issue. I said, generally speaking, I remember exactly what the issue was. Generally speaking, we assume this is like this. Over here, so he cut me off in the middle. He said, the fact that you have to speak like that shows you don't have a proper clarity of the issue. I'll give you one more chance to talk. No, no, mamash, like that. And so I started again. He said, absolutely not. We don't talk like that over here. Next. I had the question. I knew the question. I was going to ask the question. He didn't speak properly. It shows you don't have clarity. Try it again. Anyway, it says the Gemara, Leshalem Tashlum Enezek. Now the Gemara gets into more of a severe issue. Oh, of course, of course. But he knew the answer. He knew the answer. It was a way of, I mean, it could be. It could be for many. Uh, he, was, he was just a tough person who taught us to think and speak you know, with, with acuity and clarity. That's right. Says the Gemara, Tanur Rabbanan, Metav Sadeh, Metav Karmo, Yeshalem. And so this is now going to enter us into a, a long and important sugya known as the sugya of Metav. We've alluded to, we've talked about it. This is the first major sugya in Masechet Bavakama, and that is the issue of the land that's paid for with regards to damages being the highest value land. We have a pasuk in the Torah, which was just cited at the onset of this beraita, in a situation of regel or shen, uh, when a person's animal goes and tramples or he eats from someone else's garden or field. The halakha is metav sadeh metav karmo yeshalem. They pay from the highest value of land, if they're paying with land, or highest value of kerem, of their vineyard. In other words, in some way or fashion, the way they're paying back is based on highest value land, metav milashon tob, the highest value. That's what the pasuk in the Torah. Hang tight, hang tight, hang tight. We'll have to figure that out. Um, Long sugya, figuring that out. Um, but uh, the, the, the fact that it's only mentioned by Shen and Regel should not throw us off. We learned earlier from an elaborate Gezerah Shava that this law of Metav applies to all the Avot Nezikin and certainly to the Arba Avot, uh, the Arba Avot, the four primary that are mentioned in our Mishnah. This concept of Metav Sadeh, we saw it mentioned in the Mishnah, and now we're going to d- debate and discuss it. But that's the Halakha. Says the Gemara, says the Beraita, how do we evaluate? Right? How do we evaluate? First opinion and first understanding of the first opinion. Metav Sadeh shall Nizak, Umetav Karmo shall Nizak, Divrer Bishmael. I will purposefully explain to you what Rabbi Ishmael is saying according to our initial understanding in the Gemara. The initial understanding of the Gemara goes like this. Rabbi Ishmael's claim is as follows. Nizak, important words. Nizak, the one who's damaged. Mazik, the one who damages. Uh, those are words we're going to be using a lot over the course of the next several days. We gotta, I'll, I'll try to translate every time, but remember those. Nizak means it happens to you, and mazik, midaber, when I'm doing the action, uh, mitpalel, I'm doing the action, mazik is the one who damages. The claim of Rabbi Ishmael is the way we evaluate the land in this circumstance is based on the value of the nizak's lands, the one who was damaged, which means it's a little curious, a little hard to understand. If I, as the damager, uh, somehow damage uh, something on your land, and it's your lowest quality land, for argument's sake. In other words, you have uh, beds of, uh, of tomatoes, and this bed of tomatoes is uh, valued at each uh, square foot, and I'm making up numbers, 20, 
but your highest value vegetables or, or, or tomatoes is the same bed, same size, would be $40 uh, each one of those. I damaged the $20 one. The statement of Rabbi Ishmael seems to be, I damaged six of them. I would be, should be liable to $120. 20 times six is 120. Alternatively, we're going to obligate me in the full amount of, if it was the higher value, your $40 uh, beds of, uh, it sounds crazy. It's Rabbi Ishmael's claim, but that's what his understanding is. The Torah says, metav, highest value, sadehu, it means the field of the nizak, the one who was damaged, to the extent that I'll, in many circumstances, be overpaying. I'll always be paying based on the highest valued land of the person who got damaged. Make sense to you? Not fair to me. I didn't damage. Are you giving me some sort of penalty? Says the Beraita, Rabbi Akiva Omer, cryptic words, cryptic response of Rabbi Akiva, Lo bahakatuv ela ligvot le nezakin min ha'idit. So his words, we'll translate them, and then we'll tell you what we understand them to mean. He says, the pasuk doesn't come except for, double negative, meaning the pasuk's purpose of metav sadeu, metav karmo yeshalem, the highest value, is ligvot, to collect, linizakin, the damaged situations, min ha'idit, from the highest value land. Uh, that's, that didn't really tell me anything. Was, of course, that's what the pasuk says. What's his response? The understanding of his response at this point and throughout is that Biakiva is saying, I disagree. I think the way you evaluate the amount I, as the damager of your land, pays is based on my highest value land. Uh, what is the damager? The mazik. Now, what would that mean? That would mean something entirely different. This would be, as Nathan said, it means that I damaged, uh, I don't know, $40 on your, uh, X amount of space on your land. It's how I'm paying you back. I'm not paying you back more than I damaged. I'm not playing with any of that. What quality land, the goods that I'm paying back with, needs to come from my highest value? I'm not paying a dime more in any situation than the value. I'm not paying a dime less. I'm paying exactly the same amount. It's a question of the quality of the land. That's the dispute. So to be less of the quality tomatoes, but not correct. Exactly. Well said. Correct. So that's Rabbi Akiva's claim. That's an important one. It's a lot more. If you ask me, makes sense. This one makes a lot more sense. In other words, that's right. His words don't directly reflect that, but his words are, the pasuk is only telling you that you pay from a deed. Our understanding is, he's responding to Bishmael, who said two things. Number one, I'm paying from the highest value of the Nizat, and number two, I don't need to pay per se from my highest value land. It'll be a kivas, it responds to both. It says, number one, the evaluation is based on what you damage. Nothing more and nothing less. And number two, what land am I paying with? Ligvot min ha'idit. I'm paying three, from... At this point, for, for some time, we're understanding, no. I need to pay for my highest value land. That's our understanding. No, no, why? Proportion. I damaged $60. Yeah. It happens to be you, not you, but the other guy has lower quality land. I have very high quality land. I'll pay back a lot smaller of a piece of land, but it's worth a lot more money. That's what the Torah's instruction is, right? Nice, uh, nice. Uh, the, the Gemara isn't going to give us a per se. The Gemara is going to test this from Pesukim. 
I mean, that does make a lot of sense. You are giving him, I mean, as a business person, you can really speak to this. You're giving him, in terms, are you giving him, uh, that's the word, fungible? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, you're certainly working out. Such a, I don't know anything about business. I might know words, but you know. Penal, penalty. Okay, the Gemara will think it's inconceivable. In just a moment, it's inconceivable. Our interpretation of Bishmai until now, the Gemara will say, is not fair and doesn't work within the system of law. The last words of Rabbi Akiva are just as, if not more, cryptic than those of earlier words. And he says, and you can logically deduce that certainly it's so by Hekdesh. Hekdesh. Hekdesh means when there's land which is Kodesh, which has sanctity, which is owned by the Mikdash or there's something which is owned by the Mikdash. What are you talking about? Paying from highest value to Hekdesh, the Gemara will struggle to understand what this means as well. In other words, does it mean that I damaged the land of Hekdesh? Does it mean that my animal damaged a property of Hekdesh? Uh, what exactly is happening? Oh, we'll, we'll come back to those. You're not saying that you have to go from the, the damager's best land? You pay? From the damager's best land. Oh no 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 no! Because I want so to get, land. I now want my land to be replaced with high fungibility land. Swapping <laughs> <laughs> land. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not swapping. I'm getting it back with land. It says the Gemara. I don't understand the Bishmael. I can't accept the Bishmael. The Bishmael. The Gemara says, uh, listen, here's how it works in Bishmael. Shemena means, means literally, the word means fat. Kehusha means skinny. We'll see that in, uh, well, Yosef, uh, Paro's dreams coming up. But and for our purposes, fat and skinny is a reference to the quality of the land. It says the Gemara, according to Bishmael, listen, I understand the following. If my animal, and the Gemara for some reason is, is, is speaking it out in the Lashon of Shem, eating, and by, by extension it means trampling or damaging in any way, but let's do it with eating. If my animal enters onto your land and eats from your highest quality, your Shemena, your fat land, of course I'm paying back, makes a lot of sense with Fat land, I understand. Be, be Ishmael, you say it goes evaluation and type of product from the damaged one, I understand. The next line doesn't make any sense to me. It ate my animal from your kehusha, from your skinny land, from your lower level. You're gonna penalize, and, uh, and says, says Morris, uh, absolutely, it says, can't be, it's not fair, it doesn't make sense, I'm gonna be overpaying? I understand I'm responsible to make up for what I damaged. I have to overpay, you're gonna penalize me because I didn't muzzle my animal? And by the way, muzzling is only with regards to eating. What about trampling, what about goring? Oh, this is all going to apply to all, what about by board? What about, you know, it's gonna to apply to all of them. I understand what you're claiming. At this point, our understanding of the Bishmael is not so. It's that you're paying the higher value. That's why I was saying. Says the Gemara. No, not yet. It's a question on the Bishmael. Question. Bishmael, how is it possible? It's inconceivable. It makes no sense that my animal ate from your low quality land, but I need to pay you back based on your high quality land. How does that measure up? How does that add up? Doesn't make sense. Says the Gemara, you misunderstood. Maybe this is what Rabbi Ishmael meant, and we'll knock this one down in a minute as well. I'm out of Idi, but Avin, Hacha Bemai Askinan, Hacha here, Bemai, Bemai, and what? Askinan are we dealing with? Perhaps the case of Bishmael is specifically the following. Kegon, for example, She'achal Aruga Ben Ha'arugot. The animal ate from, how are they translating? Aruga, a bed? Bed. 
bed. A bed from amidst other beds. No, we don't mean a bed that you're sleeping on. A bed of produce, a bed of vegetables. So they ate from a bed which is amidst among beds. What does that mean? It means that I don't have my highest quality in this corner and my lowest quality in that corner. It's all mixed in. And I'm also not entirely clear about what's where. As a result, I come in, I see I have damaged land. I don't know, was it my higher or lower quality? I can't prove that. In that situation, the suggestion is, We don't know whether the animal, uh, that my animal, which entered into your land, ate from the higher quality or the lower quality. Maybe the halakha in such a circumstances says it be Ishmael, in a, in a circumstance of uncertainty, you have to pay the higher value. The Gemara says, absolutely not. That runs counter and contrary to everything we know about monetary issues. The general and always principle is, If I want to extract money from you, the burden and onus of responsibility is entirely on me. You never owe me a dime until I bring evidence to make you pay. You are... The point is, I have no, you need to pay me back. I understand, but it's unfair that you're paying me because our understanding is you're paying value. Right now we think value. It's unfair that I'm demanding Alan, excuse me, that Alan demands I pay higher value when he can't prove that I owe a higher value. If he can't prove it, I'll pay him the lowest value. I'm what's called a muhzak. The general principle always in Jewish law, and maybe beyond this, that if money is in my pocket, in order for you to take that money out of my pocket, you need proof. I will not give it up unless you have proof. I have what's called hazaka, a muhzak on it. The, say it again. Possession is 10 tenths of the law. How do you like that? Possession is 10 tenths of the law, uh, not nine tenths. Fantastic, we'll try to reiterate that one. But the fungibility as well. Um, but in short, says the Gemara, it just, it, it can't be. In a circumstance of, of uncertainty, you're not going to make me, Alan, pay more money. If I were able to prove, or you were able to, if we knew, better yet, that I ate from your lower value land, I'm paying lower value. Now, that we don't know. I don't know whether my animal ate from your higher or lower quality land. I'm going to pay from the higher value? You think that changed anything? You think I made a better understanding? Our principle, our general governing law is you cannot and will not be obligated to pay and take money out of your pocket, your bank account, unless the other party adduces proof that you owe that money. So it's true. You have proof I owe you money. I don't know what type of money, I don't know what type of land, you can't extract that money from me without proof and evidence, can't accept that that's what Rabbi Ishmael meant, back to the drawing board. Rabbi Ishmael's word, they're knocking out because they're saying but every claim, who says that we're just saying we can't make logical, uh, we can't make a logical sentence with regards to what we understand in Abishmael. It's not logical, doesn't work within our laws of, of, of monetary uh, governance in, in, in Beit Din and, and beyond that I have to pay more than I damaged. 
I don't know, how could you make the argument otherwise? I, I, if I were to tell you about a court case in America, you know, for example, you'd go wild. I say to you, they made me pay more than I damaged. That's ridiculous. Whoever heard of such a thing? You damaged X, you don't pay Y, you pay X. No, but they were uncertain. And then they, they because they were uncertain, I, the Gemara is just saying it, it, it defies logic. We can't understand that. that. You have to pay for the best you live. That was the rules. We know that. That's right. So again, again, there's two concepts that are being interchanged over here. There's how am I paying? What's the value? What's the type of land that I'm giving to you? And there's the value. Our understanding until now is that according to Bishmael, you're paying the value of the higher land. I'm paying the value of your higher land even though I damage your lower land. That's what we can't understand. That you're paying with the land of, you know, higher value, that we can accept. That's what Rabbi Akiva told us. Not our understanding of Rabbi Ishmael until now. Says the Gemara, Ela, rather, and we'll conclude with this, Amara Vahabar Yaakov, and this is really what, what Nathan alluded to in the first line of this, Hachab Askinan, perhaps the case is the following, Kigon Edit Kiziborit Demazik. The situation is, for example, the following, the Nizak, that's Alan, whose land I damaged, his highest value land, I'm sorry, I, you know, you gotta, you gotta do a little bit better on your land. Your highest value land is my lowest value land. So if you come to my property, my lowest value is commensurate is the same price, same, same level as your highest value. In that situation, how do I pay? Now again, the money that I pay, I paid a hundred, I'm damaged a hundred dollars, I'm paying a hundred dollars. What type of land do I need to pay you back with? Do I need to pay you back with just the value of your land? And I could give you my lowest value, exactly like your highest value, and I'll just pay that back. Or alternatively, do I need to give my most fungible land? I'm gonna give a smaller amount, I'm gonna give my highest value land, but you know, the question in this situation is, how? What's the substance which is being paid back? Not the amount. It's not. It's not. I mean, listen, I'm, again, I'm no businessman, but I can tell you very clearly in my mind, I could understand someone saying, I want the higher value, smaller, I have less responsibility, I have higher quality. It's higher quality or higher quantity. That's really the question over here. This is the mahloket without sevarot. We'll get into Pesukim next time. This is the mahloket. According to Bishmael, I go based on the damaged land. I damaged your high, you know, I go based on your highest quality, which is my lowest quality. That's how I'm going to be paying up. I damaged $60. I'm only paying $60, but I'm paying with that quality of land. Says if you have the higher value land, Harari, if that land, it's true, you'll be paying less, but that's how you need to pay it. The Gemara will go on to you. See the next words. What's the reasoning of each of these two opinions? Amen. Amen.